Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector and investor and professional wrestling fan. What can I say? Football is back in a big way. We are all very, very excited. I can tell from the direct messages. I can tell from the feeds. I can tell from all the content that is being created by all of the people in the hobby community. Football is in all of our blood, and we are getting ready to get excited for football to be in our face for the next several months. And of course, you know we got to talk about football cards. That is so important and so exciting, and I cannot wait to see what happens over the course of the next several months. What new products are going to hit? How are people going to respond? What is the market going to be like? How reactive is the reactive market going to be in probably the most reactive sport of all time? And that is something that I certainly am fascinated in. I've got my finger on the pulse. I'm obsessing over it. I love football. It is just such an exciting sport. So I just want to say I'm ready. I'm strapped in. I am dedicating myself to talking about the fusion between fantasy sports and football cards for the next foreseeable future. I can't wait to have conversations with all of you. It is going to be fun. There's so much opportunity in this game, and we're learning every day. As I sit here and record this episode, I can't tell you that For me, it's not just necessarily about the NFL, but it's also about college football. Some of my earliest first memories are were driving three hours north from Indianapolis as a young lad, strapped in in my parents' Honda Accord, going up north, going to my mom's home. My mom's from South Bend, Indiana. If you're unfamiliar, there's a uh, small football program that plays in South Bend, and that's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. When I was about three years old, one of my first memories is going into my grandpa and grandma's house, and I remember vividly my grandfather. He was a big cook. He would cook and just host, and I can see today many of those traits translate over to my mother. We actually celebrated her birthday yesterday, and we had a big cookout over at my parents' house, steaks, potatoes, ice cream, cake, you name it. I'm feeling fat today, but that's okay. But I remember early grabbing a styrofoam plate, green beans, ham, potatoes, you name it. I remember sitting down in that small house, and I remember my grandfather turning on the TV, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish were getting ready to play. And he looked at me and he said, this is the team we cheer for. And by God, that has stuck with me through the good, bad, and the ugly. And I am proud to be a fan of the Fighting Irish. And I cannot wait 
to watch this squad kick off today against the Duke Blue Devils. So I am so excited that college football is back in my face. I got the Notre Dame to cheer for. And man, it for me too, it's one of those opportunities that I like with college football is that I start paying attention to the conferences and I start paying attention to stats and guys. And I start trying to think about who is going to be not only in like the Heisman conversation, but who are the guys on each of the teams that have pro ability and who's going to take it to that next level. I've been really fortunate that I have some friends that are in the industry. And so a friend in particular, he played football at Notre Dame and he's a sports agent today. So whenever I have questions, he's meeting these guys regularly going across the country. I shoot him questions and it's just fun. So I I really enjoy that component about college sports. I enjoy getting insights on guys that the market is thinking about and people who are they're high on who they think can take that next step into the NFL. So that like college to NFL draft research data, like I'm all about that. And like, I'm excited to get that process going starting today as I record this episode. So I hope all of you are getting ready and getting excited. And I hope you're, we'll be sitting down and watching college football this weekend. NFL, obviously big topic. There's going to be so much content that's going to come from the stacking slabs engine regarding the NFL coming up. And I thought about it and I was like, how do I start recording these episodes? I've got my time block. Do I need to start recording the Wednesday episode after the games? And I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. And the reason why I'm not going to do that is because this show isn't about player picks, analysis, this and that. I do think there is a place for my reaction in the notes I'll be taking on Sunday. So I haven't decided the specific day or not, but I'm going to be responding to what's happened on the NFL side on probably Monday or Tuesday through an Instagram TV video. So if you are not following me on Instagram, definitely go to Stacking Slabs, hit follow on Instagram. I'm going to be dropping content there Monday, Tuesday, and talk about what I'm seeing and how that impacts what I'm doing on the football card market. So that's the best way I think to get in front of this and make sure that this show, this core show is not influenced too much on player performance and picks. I do think obviously that is a part of just sports cards in general and how I'm thinking about it. So I do want to leave some room. And I think the best way to do that is Instagram TV. I will say The one thing I can respond to that's already happened is just the Thursday night game, right? So my takeaways, I don't want to drag on this for a while, but I think the Texans are going to miss DeAndre Hopkins. I think Bill O'Brien decided that he wanted to spread the love. He didn't want to be so reliant on one player. It's tough now, I think, when you realize going through a game against arguably the NFL's best team, not having that guy. I think the game could have maybe been a little bit closer. I think the Texans' defense definitely looked vulnerable. But I can say, too, my man, Clyde the Glide, Edwards Hilaire, man, talk about a coming out party. A lot of hype on this kid, right? His card prices, I'm not even going to talk about that. The reactive, that's the first spotlight on the reactive market. And this is people are going nuts on like a raw base Donruss card right now. So 
don't get caught up in that. That's not good. You don't want to be that person. Just hold back and hang tight. It's okay to be a fan. It's okay to watch this guy. But I decided that in my fantasy draft that was this past week, I got the fourth pick, Snake, 12-team, PPR. And I decided fourth pick, obviously the top three guys are going. Alvin Kamara, just don't trust you. I know you're on the Saints, but last year, man, without Ingram, I didn't like what I saw. Contract dispute deal. Then you look at Dalvin Cook, great player, but just don't trust you. And so I decided, you know what? Chiefs defense or offense, Patrick Mahomes, a lot of good positive sentiment on Clyde. And um, I went CEH and boy, that first performance, so excited of what I saw, the production, the usage. Kid didn't even catch a pass, and that's what a lot of people have been talking about. And he just rolled. He is a monster down there. He looks like he is going to have a big year if he can stay healthy. So for all you CEH owners out there, cheers to you. Don't go buy his football cards right now because now is not a good time. But I will too while I'm talking about it. My strategy going into my fantasy draft was much like, okay, the guys I've been talking about and the guys that I love on stacking slabs, on the foot guys whose football cards I'm buying, I got to go make sure I am trying to draft these guys. So I did that. I ended up with Terry. I grabbed him. I grabbed Kyler Murray. So that was good. Those are the two guys that I talk a lot about. Ended up getting him. My brother sniped Hollywood Brown from me because he was going after Terry too. So that's going to happen. That's understandable. But I am so excited. I got my fantasy squad. I'm looking at guys that I drafted who I do not have cards of and said, you know, like kind of what Scott said last week. It's like, you got to kind of grab these cards. So I'm going to be looking into that. But it's so much fun. There's so much going on. And what I'm going to be doing in this episode is at the end is going to be talking about just budgeting. There's so much opportunity to take your disposable income and start spending in different areas. I'm going to tell you and run you through the process of how I'm thinking about my weekly budget. And that has to do with fantasy, gambling, and sports cards. I would be remiss if I didn't touch on the NBA at the top. And I'll say, and then the only thing I'll comment on is this is There's still a lot of activity in flight to reach to the conference finals. But last night, we saw the Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors. It made me happy because obviously I picked the Celtics to play the Lakers in the finals. That series was great. Best series of the playoffs. Could have gone either direction. But the raw emotion and energy that was shown after the win by, you know, Jason Tatum, Kimba Walker, that team. Hopefully Jalen Brown's okay. That Boston team is just, man, they're fun to watch. Well coached. I love Brad Stevens. Just a lot of lot of good energy there. So I am thrilled at the matchup of the Miami Heat, who've just been beating people like they stole something from them up against the Boston Celtics. Spolstra versus Stevens. Come on, baby. Let me drink that all in, man. That is gonna be a fun series. And Mm, it's hard to bet against Miami right now, but again, I got to stick with my guns. I've been saying the Celtics the whole time. I'm going to stick with the Celtics. I talk a lot about turning left when the market is going right. And I think in this NFL market, turning left when the market is going right is just having a damn strategy. 
there is so much response and reaction to new products coming out, to just buying cards, to just like, I'm seeing it. I feel it. There's just no thought process by a lot of people. And I'm not saying a lot of people, you, I'm saying the market in general, us stacking slabs family, the people that I'm engaging with, you all are the ones that have the strategy and you all are the ones that are trying to attack this dynamic market in a way that's trying to protect yourself and also have fun. And I think that's super important. And that's why I think like when I talk about the NFL market, I don't talk about it to the general public. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the people that are in the trenches, that are doing the homework, that are just getting in the weeds because you love the sport, you love sports cards, and you love the opportunity. And that's why we're here. We're here to talk about that. We're here to think about ways we can get better. We're here to talk about our process. We're here to share insights in our story because if we're all doing that, it's that culmination and that ripple effect that's going to cast across this community and it's going to allow us to get up, to get happy, and we're going to start moving up that ladder. And that's what the goal is for me. Move up that ladder, baby. Get those cards, get the cards, buy the cards, sell them for more. Buy the cards of big guys at once. And I'm not talking about base cards. No base cards movement here, baby. This is your hobby content alternative. We aren't into base cards. We maybe take base cards to help fund what we're doing, but we're not sitting on base cards saying, you know what, this is what we're about. You know why we don't do that? Because there is no protection on base cards. Look at the pop numbers. We're about scarcity. We're in the game of cool cards, and that's what we're about. And that's why I'm fired up about football cards because Damn, there's some cool cards in there. Have you checked out the Topps Chrome cards, man? If you've not gotten into the Chrome cards, go back. Look at those. There's some just ridiculously fun cards. And I got to just say that there's just so much fun and opportunity there. So I dropped a little video about this, but I just wanted to reinforce it here. I think there's an overwhelming style and there's a simple style that you can take and you as you approach the football market. I think there's the Madden style, right? The Madden style is going to be more complex. You're going to cat. There's several different plays. You're going to cast your a bunch of lines in the water and see if there's a bunch that bite. The Madden style, right? There's my recommendation would be like, don't go try to do everything. Don't go buy every guy that you like or you think is undervalued. Like simplify it. Madden style might be good if you're like a DFS expert. If you know how to make money every year off of DFS, then those skills are probably transferable in the to run a Madden style offense as you're entering the card market. If you're like me and you lose in DFS, and I'm saying like, you know, you win in DFS, but you really lose in DFS. You know what I'm saying? You get up and then you get too overzealous and then you lose your money. That's me every year with DFS. But so I'm more interested in the tech mobile style, right? How can I run a few plays within this game to take advantage of market dynamics, to make a little money, to then run that play, buy a new Kyler Murray card that is nice, limited, PSA 10, BGS 9.5. You know what I'm saying? So I think like for me, it's trying to not overwhelm. It's trying to be limited with the move set. It's just trying to be simple. And once you learn and you're grinding on those plays, then you can build off of them and you can start running new packages and you could start maybe expanding your move set a little bit. And so that's how I'm thinking about it. And I think for all of you, my recommendation would be really the best way to like get in the weeds and start getting going is like start consuming a lot of really good fantasy content. 
because the fantasy content can help drive and direct spots of guys and prospects that you're not seeing right now and can help you and influence you to buy guys for a low dollar value that you might not be looking at or thinking about. So I am very, very fortunate because I started to dig into some serious fantasy content. I'm not talking about the free stuff. Think about this. This is one thing that I've learned in my days. Okay, so you got free content, you got paid content, right? So like the paid content, like there's a reason why it's paid content because it's probably a little better, right? There's probably more insights. There's probably some technology behind it. So if you want to level up your game, think about buying some paid fantasy services. And I'm going to tell you what, I met my guy, Joe Bryant. Shout out to Joe Bryant. Joe Bryant is in the Star Stock contest with me. He runs Football Guys. And I jumped on Football Guys, the subscription. It was, I've been digging in. And oh my gosh, I messaged him after I got about a few hours under my belt with the platform. And I messaged him and said, dude, this is the best football content I've ever read in my life. And I've been a Sigmund Bloom fan watching him on Twitter. He's a contributor. And it is like the one service that really feels like I've got experts analysis talking to me about my team. And so you integrate your league data into their platform and just there's expert analysis over the top and just the way the information is displayed. It's incredible. It tells, it makes the recommendations based on their analysts on who you, they think you should be playing and why. There's graphs, data, charts, you name it. And there's these amazing articles. So like shout out to Joe Bryant, shout out to the football guys. Like that is just like such an like enhancer for me. I feel like I'm taking steroids with football cards right now. I'm like pumping the juice right into my veins. And I feel like I've just gotten a competitive advantage when it comes to cards now because I got this data and this insights on the fantasy card perspective. And let me tell you, this translates directly over to sports card buys. And I'm going to tell you actual real life story of what I did. So I spent some time on this platform digging in. And I'm like drooling, man. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I've been looking for this stuff forever. And the exciting thing is I was reading an article and like looking at some stuff and like I started reading about Miles Boykin. And I, of course, I just led with Notre Dame. I'm a Miles Boykin fan. I'm a Notre Dame fan. And there was a lot of insights and analysis on, you know, him. And obviously I've talked a lot about Hollywood Brown. And I'm a big believer in the Ravens, right? They had a tough out last year, but that was the best team in football for a majority of the season, undeniably. So like I'm huge on the Ravens going into this season. And then as I was thinking about it and looking at it, I was looking at the Browns game and it's like, okay, well, like Hollywood Brown has a really tough matchup because he's got Denzel Ward up against him week one. So he might not pop week one, but then the Browns secondary might be a little sparse and underproven outside of him. I know, I believe, and I know they're a running team, but Lamar Jackson finds his spots. He usually throws it to Mark Andrews. I am very optimistic that he's going to start developing a more strategic plan to get the ball out quicker into his receivers. And so the data I'm looking at, my mentality, and like all signs point at like, man, Miles Boykin could have a big week this week. And if it's not this week, like he's going to have some spots as the number two receiver on the Ravens in big play. So what do I do? I say, okay, well, I like Miles Boykin. I've been following him for a while. I believe in him. 
All right, let me go look at his cards. And so I'm not, when I'm like looking at his cards, I'm like not looking at his like, you know, his like junk and not junk, but just, you know, his secondary cards. I want to look at his like big cards. And that's like my measuring stick. It's like, okay, like if I'm looking up a guy, what does his silver cost? Like what's his contenders cost? And so I saw his, his silver was like 12 bucks a pop. Okay. So I was like, I like that price. So I started buying them up. So I started buying up silvers. I started buying up contenders. I started buying up lots of select numbered stuff. And I decided I'm going to spend, and this is like, I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on Miles Boykin cards right now. And with the data that I'm seeing and with my own personal feeling about the Ravens and his play and his fit within that system at some point in the season, I think this kid's going to have a a good game. And then then I'm going to look at the market and how the market reacts. And at least I'll be sitting on all these Miles Boykin cards so I can run a 24-hour auction and 2X, 3X, 4X what I paid for these cards. That is my mentality because you know what? I'm not going to send them to go get grading because who the hell knows when I'm going to get them back. More on that later in the episode. But that's my mentality. And I think that's how I'm doing this game. I am prospecting ahead of each week and seeing where there are opportunities to buy guys nice cards. Really, really nice cards. We're talking contenders, select, you know, maybe in certain circumstances in T, if you're feeling like really, really sexy, I wouldn't start there. Silvers. And so like I'm testing this out this week. And so buy these cards, these guys who've got nice prices and look at that silver price, right? That's usually a good place to go. If the silver price is sub 15 bucks and he's a guy you think like Miles Boykin, I look at him and I'm like, this is a guy who could get 100 yards and two touchdowns in a game, and that's very believable. And his silver card is under $15. Well, (laughs) that means to me, I'm going to buy as many of those as I possibly can. So that's my mentality. So I think like, and the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm trying to set goals for myself. And I think we should all be setting hobby goals for myself. And like those goals go back to buying bigger and better cards of people in the PC, my PC that I want. So like Kyla Murray and Terry McLaurin. So that's why I'm doing this. So I think that's how we should all be thinking about it. And we should all be proactive and have a process. Leverage fantasy data. It matters. It helps. Trust me. I spent like two or three hours in the weeds this week and came up with that conclusion of like, man, I should be buying Miles Boykin. And I didn't think twice. I acted. I said, what's my Miles Boykin budget? Okay. Think about this. Like that's a hundred dollars that I could be spending down the tubes in DFS. More on that to come. But I said, you know what? I'm going to spend this on Miles Boykin. How much fun is that too? It's like, geez, like I've got like, now I've got the Browns and the Ravens game. Not only do I have a vested interest in just Hollywood Brown because, you know, I've been buying him up since June. And let me say this. I was buying his silvers at less than that Miles Boykin price. Crazy. But like, that's the thought process is now like I can go in and when that, the Browns are playing the Ravens, it's like, man, not only do I have Marquise Brown to look at, but now I've got Miles Boykin. And to me, that's worth $100 of entertainment. And that's fun. And the upside on that is limitless, baby. So I think like, that's one thing we got to do. We got to give back to yourself and make sure you're doing the work and you got to keep the fun going. So I think like one of the reasons like I think it's like you got to keep the fun going is you got to buy like cards that rule. Cards that when they come in the mail, you smile. You can't wait to take a photo. You cannot wait to post those babies on Instagram. Wearing those things like a badge of freaking honor. Like you can't lose sight of that. There is so much buying, selling, transacting, like all of this stuff. And like it matters and it's fun. But like 
take a step back. If that PayPal account is locked and loaded, treat yourself. Buy a card. Keep that money in the hobby. And so, like, that's what I posted it this week, but that's when I got my tricolor PSA 10 Kyler Murray out of 99 select field level in the mail. God, I was so proud of that. I posted that, but like, that was fun to me. It's like, you got to treat yourself. Another way to treat yourself in a way that I did this Friday was, you know, I was walking to lunch with my wife on Friday and I was thinking, I was like, oh man, Mosaic came out today. And I was like, oh, it's so overpriced. And like, I'm not going to go hunt Mosaic. I'm not going to go sit in a bag chair on the freaking aisle, Mountain Dew Kickstarter. I'm not going to do that. I got, I've cherished my time too much, but you know, I'm itchy. I do want to see it. So I was thinking to myself and it clicked. It's like, man, well, let me see what my man, Chris Keller with Top Shelf Breaks has going on. I know he's bringing that Mosaic heat. So I hit Top Shelf and man, he had like several Friday night Mosaic Breaks. And I looked at him and I said, I think it was the one I entered, I think it was $55 a team, two boxes. So I said, you know what? Here's a $110 budget. I'll put myself on buy two teams. I'm going to enter it. It's going to be my only break of mosaic, but I'm going to do it because one, not only do I like want the chance of seeing, you know, getting cool cards, but two, I love hanging out with Chris. I wasn't doing anything after my mom's birthday and I wanted to see the product. I wanted to interact with people in the room. And so I texted my brother. He said, I'm on board. I'm buying two spots. Texted my man, Andy, sports card investigator. He said, I'm on board. I'm buying two spots or a spot. I can't remember what he did. And so I had a bunch of my buddies in there and it was awesome. I had a blast. There was a few divisional breaks of Mosaic, but I watched like 10 boxes of Mosaic being ripped. And first like observation was, Man, this looks just like the basketball product. It does. It's cool. It's clean. It's inserts. It's shiny. There's a lot going on there. But yeah, saw some cool pulls, saw some good stuff. There's, I think, two autos per box, a lot of shiny stuff. You know, I'm, I wouldn't go out and spend $700, $750, $800 on a hobby box. But I do think it is a good idea to go get into a break just to see the product. So I know, like, what to expect from those boxes. And after this, like I will be hunting maybe some singles that I like in that set, but that's about it. And if I stumble on some at retail, of course I'm going to buy it. So fun little story here. I got when our break was, you know, an hour or two into it. And I ended up with the Steelers and the Seahawks. And so I look at that and I was like, all right, no, no, like monster rookies in there. That's okay. Like, You know, maybe I can get some cool inserts, most notably, like, I don't really care about second year DK Metcalf. Like, I don't really care about that. Maybe if it's numbered, but like, maybe give me a cool Russ Wilson card. That's the target. So first hobby box gets ripped. And what I like about Chris, he doesn't spend a lot of time on the base stuff. Like, you're going to get it. You're going to see it. But he's more about the hits. He flies through it. So like, I saw 10 boxes in a couple hours and just saw the product. So it was like, I feel very educated on what's available in those hobby boxes. But like going into the second box, I think Chris ripped a couple packs and I just said, hey, how about you pull out a Russ Wilson stained glass for me? And he mentioned it and I think three packs left, opens it up. What do you know? (laughs) Russ Wilson stained glass pulled. And this is why breaks can be an addiction 
And this is why you need to do breaks in moderation at times because I am so up right now. I've got a Russell Wilson stained glass mosaic coming my way, and I cannot wait. I'm going to express that baby to PSA, hopefully get it back in a reasonable time, and hopefully get a 10 and be one of the first people in this darn country that has a Russell Wilson stained glass mosaic and a PSA 10, hopefully, form. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the card. I think Russell Wilson is, I love watching him play. There's a piece of him that I'm really attached to because he was in the same draft as Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck is, I adore him. And obviously he's no longer playing. So like, it's almost in a way I like live some Andrew Luck through Russell Wilson. So that is a card I probably will sit on. I'm going to sit on it probably because I think the Seahawks, Russell Wilson could be the MVP this season. Easy. I think in this atypical type of year and format, he's the type of guy that could be MVP. Also, Seahawks, I think, could be a Super Bowl contender. So I'm excited about that. But that was me deciding to treat myself. And then after that, I decided to treat myself even more as a great Friday night of hobby content, watching the crossover. Love what Josh and Chris are doing on that. Just shout out to that. Go st- If you can stay up late on the East Coast, at midnight, it's worth your time and energy. It's posted the next morning, but the engagement's so fun. So that was a f- fun Friday, hobby-filled Friday night of breaking and then treating myself and then checking out the crossover. I think that there's always a game within the game, and you got to break the rules and you got to break the cycle because there's always the opportunity to be the individual that is ahead of everyone else, even when stuff seems to be trending up or trending backwards. And I think that, I think that about basketball and I was looking at some basketball stuff and I was like, okay, so much has gone on so much movement. So much has changed in basketball over the course of the last several weeks and months. Think about it from your personal perspective. So I started asking myself the question, okay, like not basketball cards, just basketball in general, like what excites me? So I thought about that for a minute. And then I also thought about it. It's like, okay, what are the things that like make me drop everything and watch? Like what are those moments where I'm like schedule must see TV? And then I also thought about like, okay, map that with like in the last five years or so, what has happened? that you can attach value to in the sports card, in the basketball market to sports cards. And so as I was like running through this exercise, you know, you start thinking about, it's small for me actually. Like it's not as big as I thought it was. Like I think the understood is LeBron, like just LeBron like checks the boxes on all those. But then I started to think about like who are other people. And the one guy that like I just kept going back to is Steph Curry. I think he excites me because I think he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's certainly the best shooter of all time. His ball handling skills is unbelievable. I love his just chip on the shoulder, just out to prove something. He's a winner. Who doesn't love Steph Curry? If you don't like Steph Curry, there's probably something wrong with you, okay? So I think like for me, I was thinking about that and I was like, all right, well, let me go look at Steph Curry's cards. So I was checking out his 2009 Topps PSA 10, okay? And talk about a crazy chart on that card. And it makes no sense to me. So this card pre-COVID was a thousand sub a thousand. That's freaking wild. So to me, like you match that up with this market, completely undervalued, right? I would have if that card was a thousand dollars right now, I'd buy five of them and just sit on them. So that was crazy. 
And then I look at his chart, and then on August 20th, the card was $8,000. And you got to remember throughout all this, like Steph Curry, not in the bubble. Steph Curry was hurt, didn't play. So the card went from him not playing at 1000 to him playing at 8000 Shout out to Card Ladder for all this data, by the way. And then I was looking at that. I was like, 820. And then I look at it, 820. It's like, oh, 820 was when Steph Curry gave the talk at the DNC. So maybe that had influence and help. And his card was rising up into that point, but that was the peak, the week of the DNC and the week Steph Curry gave a speech. So there's probably some correlation there. Then I look at the card today. The, day, the card's at 4,400. So I'm like, oh, wow, it's dropping. I mean, he's half of that in less than a month's time, which is wild. So I'm sinking to myself and I'm like, man, like I really like that card, but like $4,400, that's a lot for that card for me right now. So I'm starting to think about like, ask myself, what's the floor look like to me? And I, to me, it looks like it hitting around the 2,500, 2,000 mark. If it hits around the 2,500, 2,000 mark, I'm buying that card. So I think like it's all on us right now to start asking yourself those questions. Like what excites you? What makes you drop everything and watch? Has there been things that have happened in the last five years that you can attribute back to card prices and then map it, right? So I think that if you want to stay current and active and keep your mind strong on the basketball side when the market seems to be contracted, start contracting, start doing things like that. I think like you can apply that to with like what's happening with Giannis, right? Like, are you going to overreact and just think Giannis is no good? Don't do that. Like, I talked about Giannis and the Peyton Manning situation. I think there's a lot of validity to that. Like, you got to just be patient. You got to think about things in, in a certain way. And we all know Giannis is a special player who just had a rough stretch and a bad out. Talking about bad, I'm going to continue to beat the drum on grading companies. And I'm going to continue to beat it because I think it's important. I asked the question. I brought up the topic on the crossover this week. Thank you, Chris and Josh, for giving it some time and chopping it up a little bit. I think your voices talking about it certainly matters. Everybody who has a platform, even if you don't have a platform, you all have platforms, you all have social media accounts. Like If you're having bad experiences with the grading companies, PSA, BGS, SGC, say something. We got to speak out. Don't just get pissed off at yourself. Like you got to vocalize that. And I'm going to continue to vocalize that because I think we're getting kicked and we're kicked in the face and we're down. And it's all because of these companies who are sports cards grading companies that were unprepared for the growth of the market, which is absolutely insane to me. So I got a quick story and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you this story and then I'm going to tell you like on the other side, why that BGS's customer service might be just as bad as PSAs. Okay, so AT&T, right? We all know AT&T is a brutal historically from a customer service perspective. I have Spectrum for internet in my house. It's been a pain in the ass during COVID. I've had to put extenders up in my house. The Wi-Fi flips from me going upstairs and downstairs. I'm in my house all the time working whether it's doing stacking slabs, whether it's doing my job professionally, all I need is reliable internet. I'm constantly uploading video. I'm constantly downloading audio. I just need the power, baby. I need the fuel. So Spectrum's been pissing me off. I was recording a podcast for work. These kids came to my door. I gave them the like, I had to tell my guest, hang on. I told these kids, I'm recording something. Come back later. They had grit. They came back. Nice little sales pitch. They told me that, I'm on Spectrum. They told me that 
I have a shared line. That's why my internet sucks. They talked about how we're going to come in, dedicate a line, blah, 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 ask questions, non-sales. And I said, all right, kids, you bought my business. When can I install this stuff? Set the date, 12 to 8 to 12 on a Thursday. You got it. Waiting. Nothing. That rolls around. I get a call. I blocked off my schedule for this AT&T, by the way. I get a call. I try calling him, of course. I'm getting the freaking, we've got delays and the crappy music. I'm just about ready to explode. And I said, you know what? You don't have time for this. Like, whenever they come back around, I'm going to just ghost them. I'm just going to not, whether I'm not going to open my door. I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just not going to deal with it. So anyways, I get an automated voice message email saying, due to a problem on our side, we aren't able to install your internet today. And we won't be able to install your internet until 9.24, and it might not be on 9.24. And I was like, this is absolutely insane. You can get on the front end and sell me on why I should be using your service, but you can't deliver on the back end to help just to freaking show up and install the damn thing. You can't do that, AT&T. So you've lost my business. That to me is an indication of even though my internet sucks, why I should not work with you because of that experience on the front end. It's terrible. So I take that experience and I apply it to what's happening right now with grading. I think about BGS. And last week I went on a rant about PSA, rightfully so. I'm going to keep beating that drum, right? Because no one's making changes. It seems like they can say all they want, but until I see some production, I'm not going to stop beating this drum. I have an order out, a 30-day order out with BGS that I delivered there on June 1st, okay? So I've been really patient. I know there's grading issues. I know this is taking forever, this and that. Like probably the biggest red flag for me, and this is the first time I ever subbed with BGS, was the fact that like none of this was digital. The fact that like I was like printing off paper in like pen and paper, like filling out my order and that, like that should have told me that like something's up and this isn't right. And so on... I looked at my pirate ship, shout out to pirate ship. I use pirate ship for all my tracking. Check it out. If you're looking for a new postage provider, just quick, easy, effective. But I sent the package hit on June 1st. And so I finally emailed them. We're sitting here in September and on a 30 day order. And I say, Hey man, I, I know like you guys are struggling. Like, just let me know what's up. Just, they have no visibility into what you, at least PSA, you can see where your card's sitting and doing nothing. BGS, it is the black hole of all black holes. Just, it's brutal. So I email them, and to their credit, I got an email back relatively quick, which is great. And But the email and the content of the email basically showed me a chart, and it said, all 30-day orders are now being estimated for 22 weeks. Are you kidding me? So if I, on the front end, paid for a 30-day order, on the back end, it's going to be 22 weeks. I mean, this is what we're dealing with with these grading companies right now. And it is unfreaking believable because they do not know how to adjust their business operations and service the customer. It's pathetic. It needs to be called out, and I'm here calling it out. But what I'm not going to do every week is I'm not going to sit here and call it out without recommending solutions because I don't like those people. I don't like those people that are going to sit there and they're going to complain every week. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to give some solutions. So if you're a part of a grading company, most notably PSA or BGS, 
I'm not using SGC. I've heard horror stories from everyone else. It sounds like it's just as bad, but listen up. This is what I'm saying. Here are the things you should be doing. You should apologize. Apologize to your customers and focus every day on clear customer communication for how you're going to make this process better. That should be what it's all about. Number two, say thank you. Say thank you to your customers for dealing with this, for being here and doing little things. Saying you're sorry and saying thank you are two easy things that aren't happening right now and it's pissing me off. Be freaking adaptable. I talk about cardboard curmudgeons, people that have been in the hobby forever that hate the new market, this and that. This is what grading companies are doing. They're not being adaptable. They're like, they are, it is the fourth quarter and it is 55 to nothing and they are just stuck in mud. And like, that is just unacceptable. Be adaptable. Like, I am a business guy here. I operate business and I know how to build strategy, build process, align people and hit goals. I wake up every freaking day driving towards this and it sickens me that these companies that are making hand over fist don't know how to do this. And it's unacceptable straight up. And that's why I am so passionate about this because it is like we are sitting here pumping money into failing businesses and having them take it from, we're sitting here taking it. And I just, I've had it. Use freaking technology to your advantage. Nurture customers. Jesus. Like, it blows my mind that these companies aren't leveraging strategic email communication in strategic ways, which is layered with personalization. There are so many marketing communication tools on the freaking market. Hire someone who knows how to use them and leverage them to communicate to your customers every day about your order and where they're at. Blows my mind that that's not happening. We're all getting the same message. That's a problem. Transparency. We want to understand the why. Be transparent. Give us a peek behind the curtain at this point. And this goes to this current state, and it also goes to our cards. Why aren't you telling us why cards are graded a certain way? Like This is where the disruption happens. Companies that emerge that can build these solutions, these are the companies that will start winning. You've got to evaluate your talent within your staff, BGS, PSA, SGC, and empower creativity. And you got to allow these people to come up with ideas to better solution the customer. You're not thinking about empowering your people and solutioning the customer. At the end of the day, you got to make it easy on us. I'm sick of sitting up here and complaining about it. Those are some solutions. Think about it. Hopefully, you can take some of those to heart and just be real honest. We're tired of it. And I'm not going to stop on this. Let's transition now into the something that makes me happy because that's what I got to do. Got to go from sad to happy. We're going to do a little SIFC update on the star stock side. So I had so much fun making my picks this week. As I told you, I'm honored to be a part of it. It's crazy. Delhi, baby. Delhi's in the contents. Matthew Delvadova. Deladova, Matthew Barry. I talked about Joe Bryant from Football Guys. Just there's some heavy hitters. Adam, Adam from Heroes for Sale podcast, bro. I'm having Adam on the Hobby Hustle this week to talk about the contest, talk about Heroes for Sale. So check out that episode. But the contest rules, I was getting $500 and it was like, go make your picks. And it was hard. It was hard to operate in this, that model. But what I can tell you is my strategy was to go high and wide with guys that I thought were underpriced that could double or triple. Of course, I got some centerpieces. I did pick a Kyler Murray 
select concourse. I got a Kyler Murray select phenomenon. My lineups are riddled with guys like Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, Marlon Mack. I got some Joe Mixon, Devin Singletary. Um, And then I got some older guys like T.Y. and Tyler Lockett. So that was my strategy and philosophy. Follow along. I'll be giving you updates as it goes along. I'm still kind of learning how I want to do this, but honored to be a part of it. So thank you, Starstock team, Scott and Nigel. I really appreciate the opportunity and honor. Everyone go check out Starstock.com. It's a great way to buy and sell cards during this time and get it, keep a pulse on the market. So pumped about that. Excited to chop it up and share that episode with you with Adam for Heroes for Sale on Friday. I got a shout out a piece of content that this week that was 10 out of 10. It was 10 out of 10 for several reasons because there was history, passion, reasons. And whenever I can listen to a piece of content and learn something, that's a good piece of content. And going to talk about House of Jordans. Chris interviewed Adam from the Basketball Card Podcast, and they talked about vintage. They talked about Adam's collecting. Adam was the OG basketball card podcast in the game, so you got to hear from that. And that, it was so exciting. And I've been engaged with Adam, and I'm getting him on Stacking Slabs, and I got to chop it up with him because this conversation inspired me so much to start looking, maybe not directly towards vintage, but start looking at some cards from the 90s and 2000s of NBA guys in inserts and rare stuff that really got me excited at that period of time. So go check out that conversation. It is on the House of Jordans podcast channel. Something cool here. So I've been building this whole thing organically by engaging with you people, being thoughtful with the content that I'm creating, and just having fun. I will say, I'm not making any money off of this, right? I'm actually losing money. I'm spending money each week in production and making this a top quality product for you to enjoy. And that's you know why I'm doing that. Because I care about you. I care about you in my audience. You're taking the time out of your week to listen to Stacking Slabs and what I have to say. And that, to me, is so powerful. And that is why I'm so dedicated to this show. I am thinking about opportunities to build some solutions that might be interesting to you. And it might hit on some of the themes I talk about. Buying cards and not having to pay service fees. Doing those sorts of things. So I have some ideas in the works that are going to be exciting. I'm still working through those, but I can't wait to share them with you because I think these are going to be some really cool opportunities to connect, buy cards from people that you know and trust, and it's going to be pretty darn sweet. So more to come on that. Hopefully by this time next week, I'll be able to share more. But I also talk about spending money on the podcast. I decided to put my first sponsorship together. And there's a couple of reasons why I did this. Because The company that I'm sponsoring, I believe in what they're doing, and I'm a fan of them. So I will be sponsoring, Stacking Slabs will be sponsoring Freelance Wrestling, and I am so excited. So Freelance Wrestling is an independent wrestling promotion in Chicago. It's a very special wrestling promotion for me. I get to drive up from Indy, or did before COVID, to go to freelance shows with my best friend who lives in Chicago. They have got an amazing thing going, great sense of community. Some superstars, uh, Mustafa Ali, who's in the WWE right now, was in freelance. They've got a great talent roster. They get great independent wrestlers from all over the country. They are streaming on independent uh, TV. They're going to be doing some new episodes, and they were looking for a sponsor. So I said, I'd love to. And Stacking Slabs is going to have a banner, going to be on the canvas. They're going to be mentioning it on 
commentary, which is so exciting. And then they'll be doing a pay-per-view and I am going to be the lead sponsor. And for me, I'm doing this because it's an opportunity to give back to them. It's an opportunity to put stacking slabs and get exposure in an area of audience that might not know who we are and might not have thought about cards in a while. And the one thing that I have picked up on just with audience members is you might not all watch wrestling right now. Some of you do. You might not all watch it, but at some point in your life, you probably did. And you understand the power of it. So I do think there's a lot of intersection in between wrestling fans and sports cards. So I am testing that out while giving back to an amazing organization. So excited about that. As that picks up, I'll be updating you and encourage you all to go support freelance wrestling any way you can. On the wrestling side, I saw one of the best matches of the week, Finn Balor or of the year, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole on NXT Super Tuesday for the title. If you're going to watch one thing this week, go watch that match. Simple, storytelling, effective. Two of the best performers for my money in the business right now. Gosh, that was good. Another one. I got to shout out a new album I'm listening to, H.C. McIntyre, N.O. Access. This album, I was turned on to this album by a blog I love called Aquarium Drunkard. Shout out Aquarium Drunkard. I've been reading Aquarium Drunkard forever. Just an amazing record. I love the songwriting. Go check that out. All right. Let's close it out here by talking about budgeting. And we're going to talk about all the money that we have at our disposal going into this NFL season and what we should be doing. So I think it is really smart for all of us or we're going to get caught up in just this buzzsaw of losing all your money quickly if you don't enter the season without a strategy. So I think we money goes towards year-long fantasy, money goes towards DFS, money goes towards gambling, money goes towards now maybe sports cards for some. So I think you got to be really strategic and thoughtful with how you're putting your money into these certain areas this year. And this is my breakdown here. So I think we all have our year-long fantasy leagues that we've already spent money on. There's usually either 10 people, 12 people. So you've got a 1 out of 10, 1 out of 12 chance to win it. They are 17 weeks long, right? You're probably dedicating like one hour a week at least to do some research, hit the waiver wire. And, you know, your upside, like if it's winner take all, you're winning 1,000, 1,200. Chances are it's probably broken down. You're winning a percentage of that. But like at the end of the day, the time spent it is validated because it feels like you own something by running that team. You are the GM. So I think to me, like that's something that all of us have probably already invested in. There's not a lot of opportunities to pump back money in there unless you do like something where you pay for uh, waiver wire pickups or this and that. But that's pretty set. And then you look at DFS. Okay. So you're like, there's 17 weeks, like, for me, I was spending like two hours a week on DFS. I was spending about a hundred bucks a week on DFS. So I think about that. If there's 17 weeks, I was spending two hours a week. I was spending 34 hours in a season on DFS. And then I think about that. Okay, in order to justify those hours in the week, I better be getting a 2x return, which would be $3,400 or maybe a 3x return, which is $5,100. And that's not happening. So that's transactional and I have zero attachment to it. So for me, it's like the amount of time and money I was spending in DFS, that's like, I should probably cut that because I have no proven track record. 
gambling. Okay, so gambling, like, again, it's like two hours a week maybe, right? So on a slate, what are you spending? Like maybe 150, 200 bucks? Maybe you get that up to $1,000. But then what happens, right? Inevitably, unless you're like really good, you lose it. Transactional, zero attachment. So to me, the gambling component is something that like I can cut out of it. And I look at sports cards. So it's like two to four hours a week doing research. Run the same playbook that I've been running for DFS, but apply those with sports cards and think about it from a raw and slab perspective. Get out in front. Do the Miles Boykin example that I talked about earlier. Buying his cards, attaching myself to him. Then he plays on Sunday and get a watch and see if have him hit. If he hits and I sell the cards and get the monies, then go put that into bigger cards. To me, that's less transactional and it's more fun because I'm attaching myself to it. So I really feel like sports cards aligns a lot with the same feelings I get from playing year-long fantasy. And the feeling is less from like a DFS or a gambling perspective. So I think that's just something I want to leave you all with. It's just think about it, right? It's if you're buying sports cards now, like you're going to have to adjust something. It's got to be a little different or you're going to go broke and you're going to leave something. And we don't want you to leave sports cards because it's a lot of fun, maybe more fun than the others. At least it is for me. So that's just something I want to leave you with is just make sure you are thoughtful with your budget. Make sure it makes you happy. Make sure you're seeing growth in that budget. And at the end of the day, you're all having fun. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button. Leave me a review. Follow me across all channels. Enjoy freaking football this week. Thank you so much. Make sure you're checking out my content on Instagram. I'll be doing more of that. Happy collecting, happy investing. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we'll talk to you real soon.